Welcome to the After Dark Podcast, the podcast in which Anthony leads his unknowing friend Conrad by the hand through TV shows. Will Conrad like them? Will Conrad hate them? Will Conrad predict what's going to happen, or will he be lost in the dark? Find out now, only on the After Dark Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the After Dark Podcast. I'm Anthony, and that's Conrad. Hello, do you hear that, Conrad? It's a new theme to the After Dark Podcast. We have went into the 80s with our theme for the OA. It's funny that we did it for the OA, because in Dark, we had a lot of 80s themes, whereas in the OA, we don't seem to have that, but we've got it anyway. Uh, Listen, it's like a new pair of shoes. We're trying it on, like, just to to break it in. But I like it. I'm a big fan of Synthwave, so... Oh, actually, it might be Vaporwave. I can never, t- I can never remember what the actual difference between those those subgenres is, but it's one of those. I think someone said Vaporwave in the comments, but I'm, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But, but also, like in our current background, it looks like I'm, uh, I'm driving a little thing in Tron. That's what I was going for. Um, oh, okay, nice. We're, yeah. we're in Tron. Is what is what the thing is. You know? Oh no, Alan One's gonna kill us. Is <laughs> yeah. Alan One. It's been a long time since I've seen Tron. I've never seen the original. I've only, I've only seen. For God's the, sake! I've only seen the new one with the weird Jeff Bridges face. Yeah, like it's the original. Well, I mean, his, his face is kind of weird in the original as well, to be honest, because it's all like I think it's rotoscoped or something. Like yeah. so, they kind of animate over the the recording. Um, again, it's been a while since I've seen Tron. It's a good movie though. Light cycles. They were cool. Yeah, they are cool. They're very cool. Uh, have I asked you how you are this week, Conrad? Possibly, but we'll, I'll, I'll reiterate it if you have. I'm doing very well. Uh, I, I enjoyed the OA this week, not to not to put the cart before the horse. And um, yeah, we're, we're uh, watching lots of... Uh, in fact, I'm not going to say what I'm watching, but we're watching lots of themed movies for our other podcast uh, coming up um, next week. So I'm looking yeah. forward to that as well. Yes, uh, keeping the cards, cards very close to the chest there, Conrad. Lovely Listen, to see. If you want to know what I'm talking about, if you want to be in on the joke, you go subscribe to that other podcast, all right? It's your fault, listener, for not having done it yet. And actually, we, we don't plug that other podcast enough, considering that we have a lot of audio listeners who don't actually mm-hmm. see on the YouTube channel that we have another podcast. It's called The yeah. Best Movie Podcast Ever. Go over to uh, Spotify or any other podcasting apps and subscribe to it. You'll love it. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see how my gambit of um, being antagonistic with the listeners works in regards to subscriber numbers. I'm hoping for good things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't believe him. He does. He really does want them to grow. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay, guys. So uh, before we get into the episode this week, I thought I would just point out a comment in the uh, comments from last week's episode, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. We had a little bit of chat last week about the meaning of OA already. I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it was an obvious path of conversation. Um, yeah. So I think Conrad settled on... I don't know what saying it's going to be a 100% theory yet, but Conrad settled on something to do with a vampire, I think. Yeah, original Asamite, I believe, is what I settled yeah, on. Yeah, original Asamite. Vampire the Masquerade reference. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, based on our, I, th- I think based on our conversations about Steve last week, uh, Awesome Power has come in with a fantastic one. Go on. Original Angster. <laughs> Well, that's that would have been me when I was about fourteen, to be honest. Like I was very a very angsty teen. So yeah, I'm 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 very much on board with that as a as a name. She does seem quite angsty as well, Prairie. Like she's always oh yeah you know, but yeah yeah exactly. That's, that's something that's, to complain about, hasn't she? That's the funny thing. You actually uh, you actually are taking that as an explanation of Prairie 
Prairie's OA. I'm thinking, what if Steve got, starts getting called the OA as well? And everyone's called the OA. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Steve. I mean, there's a few in that gang, as we'll get into in this episode, who who <laughs> would vie for that title. Because it's like the sort of island of broken toys, this gang. It's just, it's just all manner of people with problems, basically. Basically like Sid's bedroom, you know? Um, yes. Yeah, all exactly. right. Uh, well, let's get into it then. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, let's break it down! The OA, Season 1, Episode 2, New Colossus. Um, now, the mm. show, before we get into the first scene here, the, the title of this episode, like, we can go into the titles if you want to, but the names of characters, the titles of episodes, loads of different symb- symbolism within the show, is always pointing to big mythology and text and everything like this. Um, it's interesting if you want to go down those lines of analysis eventually. Um, it's just that it's, I just wanted to point, to get your opinion on the fact that it's always so in your face, you know, like Homer, Colossus, all these sort of things being thrown at you. Yeah. I, um, I, I don't, don't really mind it to be honest. It's, I, I think if something wears its, its symbolism on its sleeve, that's not necessarily a, um, a symptom of bad writing. It's just a case that they're saying. You know, we're not going to try and conceal the fact that this we're going to have some references to you know the Odyssey or the Iliad or, or, mm. or whatever here. To be honest, I don't actually know that much of the mythology behind the Colossus of Rhodes, and I also didn't know that the Statue of Liberty is kind of referred to in the um, the plaque that they that they read from later in the episode as the New Colossus. I'd never heard that before. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't I don't mind it too much as a, as a fan or. I don't want to say fan because I got quite a lot of Greek mythology wrong in our previous season uh, where we were talking about dark. But as a as a, a fair weather fan of Greek mythology, <laughs> I'm happy to see it. Okay, awesome. Okay, so the episode opens uh, with Prairie, or I suppose we should call her Nina at this point. Nina, yeah, yeah. Um, she's in the blind bo- a boarding school for the blind, um, and they're having what I've put in my notes as snake class. <laughs> yeah, I, it was odd. So okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put put my cards on the table here uh, because I, 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 I said something to my partner while watching this that could get me in a little bit of hot water, which is that <laughs> I saw them handling snakes and I saw it was quite a small class and it's got, it's in like a very nice building, you know, high, high, high vaulted ceilings, oak um, wall, like paneling on the walls. And I was like, oh, this is going to be like a Xavier's school for the gifted kind of thing, like an X-Men situation going on here. And then, and then obviously as the scene progresses and we go into the next scene, it's like, oh, it's just a school for the blind. <laughs> which, <laughs> <laughs> not to say that you know blind people can't be gifted in other in other ways but i was just like oh boy i've, I've landed I, I have to say that because i've thought it now but i i potentially land myself in hot water with this yeah okay fair enough it's good of you to admit <laughs> that but uh well the thing is it does look like xavier's school in yeah it looks it looks like xavier's school for the gifted i was like these are all mutants um they definitely have superpowers and yeah. then uh but i think it's when when nina starts talking to another girl um and, and it's clear they're both blind i was like oh okay fine I've maybe jumped the gun a little bit on this one. (laughs) Perhaps. Um, Okay, so there's also the little tidbit of information given to us that she plays, every Sunday she plays the violin to her father, uh, Mm. the uh, Russian um, Leonardo DiCaprio, over the phone. Yes, apparently this is, I mean, it's a theme... Um, that returns, or, or a musical motif, I guess, mm-hmm. that returns throughout this episode. Apparently, it was written for the show, though. I, I, I went looking for it to see if it was, um, you know, like Shostakovich or Prokofiev, or, or you know, um, yeah, the Russian, uh, composer, Russian, yeah. Russian composer. And it, apparently, it was just it was written for the show. But it really does capture that um, that feeling of kind of like Russian Russian folk music. Uh, put me in mind this. <laughs> 
this is maybe gonna uh, if we have any russian listeners i apologize for what i'm about to say this is going to be two for two on, for conrad on starting things off badly but it put me in mind of uh, american tra- tale fifle goes west like the theme for that which is you know obviously like um a russian jewish families who have moved to america yeah, yeah. but that's got a very a very uh, distinct theme in it as well and this this reminded me of that a bit yeah, well, that, that's a good film. Uh, you know, it at least, film, at least yeah. you're not referencing Rocky Four again. Uh, so oh, I watched that the other day. It's, did you? It's a great movie. That's yeah. not related to anything, but I was just like, you know what, Rocky Four's all right. Ironic- <laughs> ironically, that actually is uh, the only Rocky film I've ever seen, and I watched it with you. <laughs> I mean, you don't need to see any of the others once you've seen that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I love how you were like, you never seen Rocky, right? Okay, let's let's watch Rocky Four. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's like it is like objectively the second worst one, but it's so simple. It's just like look, it doesn't. Don't worry about anything. It's it's America versus communism. That's all you need to understand. Yeah, and then the, the, the montage is it's worth it for that. Um, yeah. Okay, so um, so the the, the dad uh, says to Nina that you need to be sort of basically be hidden. We're like playing a game of hide and seek, and you're gonna hide. Yeah. No one can know who you are, and you need to stop speaking Russian. Yeah, so it, I think the 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 dad's um, words here and the kind of performance of the actor imply that he's not letting on to his daughter how much danger uh, he is in, and by extension, she is in, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of confirmed in uh, in in a scene's time. Uh, yes, of course, uh, and also um, just at the end of the scene, whenever he's talk, she's talking to the dad on the phone. I, I love that he's. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. There's a few there's a few parts when she's telling her story they like they, they lean into very cheesy sort of dialogue cheesy is a harsh word but it's it, but it's in a good way right you know what you'll know what I mean in a second so at the mm. end he goes I only have one last request and he goes play <laughs> yeah I mean it's yeah it's very it's it's schmaltzy it's very yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it's you know it can be a bit hackneyed but you know it it's it's performed well enough that it kind of earns that. Um, and, and, and that like emotional high point, I guess. Oh, no, 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 no. And I'm only, I'm only picking up on a bit of funniness in that after watching it like three or four times. Yeah. Uh, so uh, then something happens to her father. Um, we're not. Yeah, sh- who could have possibly predicted that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, quite know what. Um, I was. I had a bit of a question in my mind. The, the, the imagery of him sitting talking on the phone. It kind of looked like he was in prison, but also at the yeah, same time, he, he had a. It was a weird place because he had that yeah. kind of uh, uh, clear. Like long clear glass next to him, which made it look like he was maybe talking through a, you know, yeah. a talking to a prison um, partition or something. Yeah, but he had a he had a mobile phone, so who knows what's going on? Um, maybe he's just in hiding. Obviously, he's in hiding. Yeah, well, you can get mobile phones in prison. Maybe he got himself arrested because he thought it would, it would be he'd be safe from the void. Yeah, the void. Yeah. The boy, uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So the aunt picks picks him up, picks her up. Sorry. Um, yeah. there's been a horrible accident uh, with the father. Um, and they, she goes to an orphanage, um, which we're told mm. it's very lonely there. I'm going to put heavy air quotes around the word <laughs> orphanage. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what are you? So basically, this home. Okay. Go on and tell me what you think it is. Well, okay. So I mean, first off, we know from literally every Disney movie between the years like 1930 to 1970 that when a young girl is displaced from her loving father uh, to go and live with her suspicious looking aunt um, she's in for a rough time and (laughs) actually I mean to be fair like her aunt isn't kind of positioned as like a villainous stepmother but 
she doesn't put her in the best situation. Let's be honest, because no. this is clearly a brothel <laughs> that she's yeah. living in. It's 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 really strange. Yeah, it's clearly a brothel. Uh, she she gets Nancy and Abel come along to the rescue. Um, oh, I've, can I just say, Abel's hair dye is doing a lot of heavy lifting in this. In this scene. <laughs> They're like, how do we make this clearly late seventies, early eighties man look younger? And the, the productions are like, hair dye. Yeah, just that. Yeah, <laughs> just dye his hair brown. Did you know that old men, when they have grey hair, before they turn grey, their hair actually had a colour in it. Let's put yeah. that colour back in. <laughs> I learned that in university. Uh, bit of rouge, yeah. bit of rouge on the cheeks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you, to be honest with you, I did look at it and thought he's believe with that hair dye, with the bit of rouge on his cheeks, he's believably 60, 68. You know, I mean, he looks like a sixty-eight-year-old who dyes his hair. Is what he looks like. So, I, so I guess they've achieved that. I mean, I suppose actually, it's only how old's Prairie in this? She's probably like six or seven at this point. Maybe could even, could even be eight by this point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I guess like thirteen this is like, years. Yeah, this is like ten years before. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I guess so like thirteen years before she goes missing. Because she's twenty-one when she goes missing. Mm-hmm. So, again, I, 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 it's, it's, it's stretching plausible. the back. It is plausible, if unlikely, I'll say. Yeah. If this was Mythbusters, they'd be slamming down that metal plate with plausible on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so they, they say that they're there to adopt a child, a little boy, a little baby boy. And yeah. uh, I love the aunt. It's just like, like they're asking questions. One of them, the aunt is like, have you got the money? You know, yeah. uh, straight to the point. Um, Nancy needs to go to the toilet, so she goes upstairs. Um, yeah, they just let people wander around, apparently, in this brothel. It's like, yeah, go into that bathroom. That's like, oh no, I probably shouldn't have let her do that in retrospect. Given we've got little girls like uh, looking after babies here. This is what I found was weird. Whenever Nancy found her and she was like, "We're taking this one, right? I want this one," and the auntie was like, "Can't stop you." Like, what do you mean you can't stop her? <laughs> yeah, you literally can. You're a legal guardian. You're the only one who can stop this. But um, it, I, I'm, I'm glad they, but I'm glad they adopt her. I felt like the. Um, the uh, kind of relationship building between Nancy, Abel, and uh, and Prairie slash Nina is very strong in this scene and very strong throughout this episode, actually. Yeah, um, the writers came back. Britain, Britain Zal came back in this episode. You, said, you thought that the Steve thing was rushed last episode? Well, we'll show you. We can actually build some relationships here. Yeah, and and I think as as is the case with a lot of good writing, it kind of recontextualizes. I know, I know, our listeners know that I like that word. It recontextualizes <laughs> a lot of what we've seen in the previous episode mm-hmm. because. Um, the relationship between um, between Prairie, uh, uh, Nancy, and Abel is kind of a bit half baked in the previous episode, but then it but then this now kind of explains why it's strained at the point that she's coming back and 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 it gives it a lot more context, a, a far richer context. So I, I really enjoyed this scene. Yeah, exactly. I love I love the actor who plays Abel. Like in terms of the way he's, yeah. I think he's very subtle and he's very sort of uh, human. Where whereas uh, Nancy's yeah. Nancy's really highly strung, very well played yeah. as well. But I uh, know it's really good. Uh, so in the child, uh, in her childhood, then it sort of shows a few little kind of montagey thing of like a couple of things. Like she gets home first of the time, she puts her toes into the carpet. Nice yeah, call- lovely little, lovely little callback to the to the feet mm-hmm. on the carpet. Yeah, from the previous episode. Uh, Abel's helping her climb a tree. Um, yeah, she's better at climbing trees. Well, certainly than I am now, but better than I was at that age as well. Like for, for particularly for a blind girl, she is like spider-man of that thing yeah again rocky four that's 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 yeah. that's, that's what happens in the russian wilderness uh yeah. but, but uh so that she's learning braille uh which i thought was cool the idea of learning braille is crazy to me like i know i learned how to read and write so it's probably the same it's the same you know I, like i'm a teacher right but i still think 
how on earth do you teach a five-year-old how to re- how to read? You know, it's really I, yeah, and I I don't actually know how Braille works, whether it is just letters or whether it's, it's just a dot uh, in certain formation. I think, and you just recognize the letters, yeah. But it is literally just one for one to letters. It's not like a different a different script with different kind of like word good, word. Um, good question. I would assume it is letters in the. Is there like is there this one type of Braille? So maybe I would mm. assume there is letters because it helps to translate from the people who haven't we- who would go blind later in life. Yeah, yeah, you know? that would be my assumption. Yeah, same I way. don't know. Um, and she also uh, during this kind of like time skip period, we we see her sleepwalking and playing with knives, which is <laughs> Abel's a, Abel sitting there recording, saying she does it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll say this for Abel: he's definitely he's the good cop in that parenting partnership. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I feel a bit sorry for Nancy because she's the one who always has to be the bad guy and be like. Maybe we should stop our eight-year-old daughter from bringing a butcher's knife to bed. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, don't disturb her. Let her finish. And then she starts stabbing the dog. There was that little moment, actually, whenever she was trying to get her to stop. She was like, uh, prairie, prairie. And then she actually gave in and went, Nina. And that's when she stopped. Um, yeah. Which I thought that that was really cool. Um, really nice little bit of... Uh, I don't know, like characterization into into the Nina character at that age, I suppose. Um, all yeah. right, so then they go to the uh, psychiatrist, and I've got this written down because this is fantastic. The psychiatrist yeah. goes, Prairie thinks her father is alive and sneaking her messages about where to find them in her dreams. She also believes her dreams are premonitions and the Russian mafia are after her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like. He's he's a skeptic. He's a skeptic <laughs> yeah. of this story. Yeah. But I, I mean, when I was listening to him reading these things off, it's like, well, she believes the Russian mafia are after, which we know to be true. Mm-hmm. So, oh well, I guess we don't know it to be true, but it's pretty heavily implied that it was yeah, the boy yeah. who had uh, that caused the accident and and caused her father's accident as well. I guess so. We 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 we're pretty sure that's true. So and and the the dreams of premonitions. We've seen her have a premonition of her falling into the lake. So two for three made me think well is it that unreasonable to think that this is three for three and that her father is still alive in some capacity and sending her messages on how to find her could be that was my thinking well yeah well if she is like well we'll get into it later in the episode but there's there's definitely like whether or not you believe a certain whatever's going on it seems like something is maybe sending her a certain way possibly um For, for what reason we don't know, and for if it's a good or a bad reason we don't know. Well, as well. it could be. Yeah, by the end of this episode, it, there, there's been a, a slight spanner thrown into those works. It's like, oh, was it just, was it just this twat? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. We'll say who that is. You'll have to listen on and find out who I think is a twat. But, but it's it could be it could have been set up for nefarious means. Is all I'll say for now. I think okay, all right. I'm on the, I'm on the same page as you. I think. Um, <laughs> So, uh, also, just a little, sort of, before we move into her teenage slash early adult time, they also get the little bit of her being in the bath, and when her head goes yeah. under the water and she sort of hears the water, it gives her a flashback uh, of the bus crash as well. Yeah, and, and this is another callback, I felt, to to her in the bath um, later when she yeah. when she gets back in the first episode. So, it's just... It, it's it's it, it enriches what we have already seen of the characterization of the of these three people um by establishing that it's a it's a routine um of behavior that has been going on for for, for 13 years well i guess actually 13 what would it be 20 years by that point 20 because, at this point yeah yeah actually yeah you're right she went missing at 21 so therefore whenever abel was de-aged he was 20 years younger yeah not 10 years younger. So take yeah. that Mythbusters plausible away. Yeah. 
False. Little less plausible. From a, from a stamp that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, maybe maybe he's just like Jack Nicholson. Like he's looked in his sixties since he was about twenty-eight, and yeah. <laughs> maybe that's what they're going for. Yeah, well, hundred percent. Okay, so uh, in her teenage and adult life, uh, first thing she has is she has a dream, or a, I suppose we'll go with her terminology, a premonition uh, of her climbing the Statue of Liberty when she yeah. gets into. Now, did you recognize that was a Statue of Liberty straight away, or when you saw the face? Uh, I did, yeah, I, and I started making jokes to my partner about this being a Planet of the Apes movie. <laughs> yeah, well, it is going to be some sort of you blew it up. It, yeah. <laughs> it has to be some sort of like apocalyptic monster film or something like that because you don't have the Statue of Liberty in it unless that's the thing. Oh yeah, like listen, Independence Day taught us that if you depict a, if you're depicting a landmark, it's because something's going to blow it up at some point. So. Is it is it going to be the humans or is it going to be the apes? That's the only question I have. And where where does Charlton Heston feature in this in this uh, in this movie? Tune in next week. Uh, okay, so <laughs> she she sees her dad in the head. Now this is something that I find really interesting because in this show and in Jungle to Jungle, the the nineties classic. Uh, um, I've never seen that. Oh, it's my first film I remember seeing in the cinema. I don't know if it was my first film I saw, but it was the first one I remember seeing. Jungle to Jungle. That doesn't ring any bells at all. I don't Tim Allen. Heard of that. Tim Allen has. Of course, it's a Tim Allen movie. I Come should have known. <laughs> so I don't, I don't. I don't support all his political views, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I made the I made the film, uh, video about the the Santa Claus and Donnie Stats comes in and goes. I could leave all the Trump stuff to one side. Yeah, uh, like let's, and his views on women. Like yeah, he's yeah. not the most progressive of, of men. To and be the honest. and the drug trafficking. Um, yeah. All told. Tim Allen is is a net loss for humanity. But gosh darn, that if he didn't remind me of my father. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so basically, uh, in Jungle to Jungle, uh, I'm not going to go into the story of Jungle to Jungle. You know, we'll do a best movie podcast ever special on Jungle to Jungle films. Um, yeah. But basically, uh, the guy Mimi Siku is climbing the outside of the Statue of Liberty, and inside okay. pe- people can see him out of there. And in this, she went into the head as well. So this is the interesting part. I think that 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 room inside of the head is real, which is weird to me because I've seen it in real life now from a fair distance away, and it's not as big as you think it is. Well, it's big enough to fit the Ghostbusters in it because they pilot it in Ghostbusters too. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's true. But I, 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 I'm always surprised yeah. to see that because when I when I went when I was in New York and like was going on past it on the ferry, I, it didn't. Like, it was very small from where I could see it, obviously. Uh, you know, small enough. But I always thought, geez, okay, they must not be in a room a room in that head. Jungle to Jungle lied to me. But no, the OA tells me it's true. There is. I, I didn't even realise that you could actually go up... In, I mean, obviously it's hollow, but I didn't realize yeah. that you could go up inside it. I would have thought there wouldn't wouldn't be much of a view. But that's that's um, that's what I mean. So whenever she went yeah. and saw her father, they were inside the head of it because you could see yeah. you could see the little windows like around her thing here, like yeah, her, yeah. her crown. He, ha- he has um weird candle fingers as well, or maybe he's just holding something with like kind of spindly candles on it. I don't I didn't really understand, but it looked like he was kind of doing this with like little sticks of candles on each of his fingers, like his hands were birthday cakes. Yeah, which had, I didn't enjoy had, at all. He had twenty one candles, which is what made Prairie realize that she had to go on her twenty first birthday. Um, oh, is that what that was? Okay, I, I didn't put yeah. two and two, or or indeed nineteen and two together on that one. Yeah, yeah, but actually, what I will say, she said I don't. I said twenty one candles. Actually, I'll put it the way Prairie put it. 21 wax candles because uh we all know there's a lot of types of candles in the world <laughs> like, 
What other type of candles is she talking Like electric candles? Wooden. Yeah, wooden candles, yeah. So it's just a log prairie. Yeah. I, I love that, this extra words thrown in, just for the flavour. You know, she's yeah. she's telling the story, Conrad. Yeah, she's a, she's a raconteur, you know. She needs, she needs to give it a little bit of, of flavour. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so um, next up. Oh, no, so whenever she she says, oh, I saw my father in the dream, that means I have to go and see him. Jesse, then, who's a character we'll come to know, Jesse says, uh, maybe you just dreamed of him because you missed him? Come on, It's Jesse. a fair point. It's a fair point, Jesse. Like, <laughs> I, I, felt, <laughs> I felt like when he said it, everyone was like, oh, he has made a good point there, Prairie. <laughs> to be honest, like the sort of the air came out of the room a little bit because Prairie sort of constructed this mysticism around what she's talking yeah. about. And it's like, oh, no. We've got a skeptic in the room. Yeah, but... and the prairie's just like, well, normal dreams don't actually make your nosebleed, so yeah. I mean, and and speaking of which, you know, she gets a nosebleed in the next scene, which they've already they've set it up. When she has a nosebleed, what she's seeing is a premonition of of some description. So take that, Jesse. It is exactly what do you know? exactly. What does he know? Um, so planned to go and meet the father. She goes there. She sits there all day long. Um, and then eventually she has to go because it's closing time. And um, basically, the worker who works on the on the on the island um, reads her because she asks her, "Can you read me the, the sign for the statue?" Uh, and there's a load of stuff read, read about talking about the woman, uh, mm. like the role of the Statue of Liberty, sort of welcoming people in and stuff like this. Uh, what did, did you take anything from this little? Yeah. Uh, so there's a few things I thought really about this scene. Um, first off, that I got a theory wrong here. I, I said that I thought <clears throat> um, she was going to be a, be abducted or kidnapped, and I guess she does. It does kind of seem like it happens by the end of this, but the initial kind of impetus to go and uh, leave her family was voluntary, which I was a bit surprised by. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is that um, the the um, the decision to be like, right, my dad's in New York. I don't know where, and I don't know how, but I'll just <laughs> go to New York one of the most populated cities in the world and we'll figure it out from there. That sounds like the kind of thing a 21-year-old would do. Just be, yeah. <laughs> just be like, there can't be that many people in New York, surely. I'll just walk around being like, Dad! And eventually it'll turn up. Um, but yeah, so the the um, the speech uh, that the that the police or security guard um, uh, on Ellis Island, is that the name yeah, of the, Ellis the island? Island, yeah. Um, that he, he's reading, seems quite uh, poignant to the situation that, that Prairie and the, the group are in as, as she's uh, retelling the story to them. Um, particularly the the line about uh, like Mother of Exiles. I kind of joked earlier about how her, her group seems to be like the Island of Misfit Toys a little bit. Like it's all people with baggage and with, mm-hmm. with problems um, in their in their lives. And she, she's maybe identified that and that's part of what's what's brought them all together um and and she is kind of this maybe this maternal figure to to them in some in some way mm-hmm. so i thought that was quite that was quite relevant um and i'm interested to see more of the more of the exiles so to speak yeah okay cool because we I, I i sort of in a way i was kind of hinting at that last week because i uh, you could sort of pick it up a little bit from the way that um prairie was speaking when she was speaking through youtube uh and saying you know if you've ever if you're going through a transition in your life or whatever kind of the way she phrased it so it's kind of alluding to that in this episode actually coming into what we're coming into now the character of buck i think pretty much lays that out exactly what what you just said Mm. um so okay so um obviously didn't show up she goes and plays violin in the underground waiting for her father to come um and then father didn't find her someone else did and then she ends the session and you know when she ended the session right 
in my mind, I just went to, jeez, she's like a dungeon master in D and D, who just <laughs> never irrelevant. never gives the players a chance to, to to do anything. She's just like, let me tell no, you the story. Yeah, she's railroaded them. She's yeah. railroaded them all the way through to the end of this. Um, it's not good DMing, frankly. Yeah. It's. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that's the game they want to play. Who can say? Yeah. Um, but I mean, my first thought when they all came out of the uh, semi-built building where they were convening is that they are going to be exhausted tomorrow because she's kept them up until it's about easily <laughs> dawn, five in the Literally dawn. Yeah, it's literally dawn. It's like, come on, guys. And then, and then when she gets back to um, her house and and, and uh, Nancy and Abel start inquiring about where she's been. She's like, I went on a walk. It's like, what, for five hours, Prayer? <laughs> like, where did you walk? Well, they don't know what time she left. That's true. They don't know what time she should have left five minutes ago. Yeah, I mean she's gambling there. But you have skipped over something that I found was very interesting though, and it took me my third my third watch to actually listen to this line and get what it meant. Not get what it uh, meant, but okay. actually, okay. So you, maybe maybe you picked up something, but you just didn't think it was worthy noting down. As okay. she, before she comes back to the house and before they start cooking breakfast, Nancy and Abel before Nancy sees sees uh, Prairie walking outside, it just cuts into the bedroom of Abel and Nancy. Abel turn, oh. <laughs> turns around to Nancy and says, "I did not write this down. We haven't done that in a while. I had no time for this smut." Um, yeah. And then Nancy goes, "Well, we can now," as if like the the last seven years, like oh, this is... Abel has been, <laughs> he's been dying. That's why he's <laughs> aged. That's why he's <laughs> aged so much. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it caught me off guard a little bit, that to be honest. But um, you know, note to everyone: old people have 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 sex too like it's not uh it's not purely the the domain of the young and here we see it proven as you know abel and nancy i i I, to be honest they've got a fucking cheek complaining about prairie going out for a walk because they've been using the time productively as it turns out well that's that's nothing wrong with that uh so yeah but you know they should be thanking her yeah go out go out all night yeah yeah yeah. that's why abel's like we'll give her an hour (laughs) give her an hour you know <laughs> he hands her like twenty dollars and's like, go see a movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um okay, so um she agrees to go and see an FBI trauma counselor if yeah. she's allowed to walk for an hour a night. Um yeah. which is good for the story, I would say. Because if see if Abel said to her you can have a five hour walk every night, then this this whole story might be over in a couple of days. Whereas for <laughs> yeah. us, we actually get it strung out over the season now. Um which is good. Yeah, so so that's that's kind of something that I'm starting to maybe piece together is is what the uh, like plot structure of of these episodes is going to look like, and I, I wonder if it is going to be like this, where it's sort of Prairie telling the story while we see members of the. the do you say they're called? They're referred to as the boys. This, well, this the, group. There's, there's the boys and BBA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But so well, what, while we get the backstories of the members of this group, because that is kind of just what this episode is. It's purely back, like backstory on on the OA's uh, experiences, mm-hmm. and then and then stuff with French in this episode. So yeah, I wonder wonder if that's going to be kind of the, the the structure that we return to for a lot of other episodes yeah it's it's sort of it's it sort of reminds me a little bit of like a of like a crime documentary in that sometimes like you have like the first while of it is telling the story of what happened and then some yeah. of them in the like the last half an hour of the of the documentary are, are like it's like and now they're actually working with the people who they were interviewing to try and find out more details. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It becomes like a becomes a, it, it assumes the present tense. It's like let's go together to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. uh, which I kind of hope this does. I hope it's not just all her being like, 
gather around and let me spin you a tale, young one. Yeah, like <laughs> young the, whole, one. the whole two seasons are... Uh... Yeah, it's just like The Hobbit, basically. It's just Bilbo Out of curiosity, actually, we haven't talked about this uh, on the podcast yet, but obviously it does get cancelled after two seasons. So I'm wondering, is there anything that's already come up where you're like, I'd be really annoyed if I didn't find out that? Um, probably like the lady speaking Arabic, <laughs> like in the astral dimension. That's like, and, and I, I like, I have some ideas. I have some theories, um, um, from like, for what I think might be kind of going on on the human level in this, you know, what the character's motivations are, where, where we might be going, but that like full on balls to the wall, nuts, sci-fi thing that happened in the at the end of the first episode i'm a bit like how the hell are we are we arriving at that and and you know are, do they have enough time in two seasons of television to even scratch the surface of what's going on there because that, that seems it seems broad and high concept is what that seems yeah very high concept this show is very high concept i will say yeah um Okay, so cool. Uh, so French, then we get yeah. As you say, we get French. Yeah, he's got his brothers. He's feeding them cereal out of a huge bowl. Um, yeah, very, very um, uh, kind of uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like it, it's, it's very down and dirty. You all need to eat. I haven't got time to do the washing up, so we're all going to eat out the same bowl. Yeah, and it also it, there's a. I noticed something in the scene that's it's a symptom of my sort of eye for detail in a in a negative way, but also because I've watched it a few times now. But whenever he, like the actor then uh, who plays French, Alfonso, goes to eat his own spoon of cereal, um, there's a split second where I just know the actor's thinking, right, which which spoon didn't that little child actor slick, <laughs> lick? Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, you'd be thinking that a bit with your brother as well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want whatever has been in that child's mouth in mine. <laughs> yeah, he hadn't brushed his teeth frankly. yet, as we know. Uh, no, he hadn't brushed his, his teeth. His toothbrush and, you know, was dry. Toothbrush was dry. Yeah, his toothbrush was dry. But yeah, so French eating like he's there's there's really it's it's really um kind of expedited but very very well realized characterization for french in this episode and it's kind of it's kind of painting in broad strokes to a certain extent but it works for me you know it, he he's the one who's looking after his um uh who's looking after his his younger brothers mm-hmm. i presume they're his younger brothers i don't know yeah. if it's ever explicitly said um which you know basic question where where are his parents or where where are, you know where is the sort of family unit that's going to help him do this mm-hmm. um we see him taking cocaine uh, what i guess is cocaine in this scene um, drugging. doing some drugs yeah, off doing some drugging and that there's <laughs> this um by the end of this episode they've done a really good job of establishing that this is a character who you know has prospects has a way out of this situation but is kind of being pulled back into it by by the situation that he finds himself in, which is it's, it's a really good job to they they do a really good job to characterize this cat this uh, this guy um, mm. in a short time as they have. Yeah. Okay. So before we go on to the uh, sort of the school scenes with him, um, I just I'm, I'm a bit disappointed, Conrad. I was I was hoping whenever um, I said, "Well, Conrad, how are how are you this week?" Uh, I was really hoping you'd say, "Well, my butthole stinks," but you know, I'm doing yeah, all right. I, I I took the high. I almost actually when we were talking about his brother then, and you said he didn't want we knew he hadn't brushed his teeth, and I was like, I almost did the butthole stinks line because I was like, this would fit here, but you know what? I'm going to take the high road, and yet here we are, not five minutes later, the tone has been lowered. That, oh, that, come on, the OA lowered it. <laughs> yeah, that is true. It's the OA's fault. That was, that was a laugh-out-loud line, because it's just so out of left field. Like, I, didn't, I don't even understand what point he's making there. It's like, what, what, what do you want your brother to do with that information, or are you just trying to be vulgar for the sake of... Just of being, being... I think he's just being like a little brother who's like... I've, I've got an older brother, 
right? And uh, me and my younger brother would have always taken the piss out of the fact that my older brother would have felt like the old, the the grown up. You yeah. Know? So like, this, I'm sure that 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 was actually that brother being like, you know, who do you think you are? Like, you're not my dad. You know? <laughs> and he's, he's just like, well, but my butthole stinks. But yeah, uh, as if like that's important information. Yeah. It's like good job, kid. Nice one. Just winding um, him up for being patronizing, you know. But uh, yeah. yeah, they get to school and. Um, Steve texts uh, French a picture of the bus and saying, 1995, it happened. Uh, this this is unfair, this bit, because I was like, oh, who's this mysterious character sending sending French uh, images uh, of, the, of the bus in, um, uh, in, in Russia? And kind of like trying to theory way, my way through it. And then literally like five minutes later, it's like, oh, it's just Steve. And he doesn't have his number because he doesn't like Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it said at the top of the phone, Lost Boy. And I think I think it also says Lost Boy on Steve's laptop in the first episode or something like that. Oh, okay. Because French responds, who is this? Like, when, yeah, he doesn't know. Uh, yeah, he doesn't know who he is. Yeah. yeah but which, it, which I just found really funny that like French is just like big leaguing Steve's like, I don't care enough to know your number. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because um, what do you call it? Uh, Steve's, the actor who plays Steve was in Neverland, uh, a TV series. Okay. And that's why probably why they used Lost Boy as his like little tag, you know. But uh, yeah. anyway, um, so athletic scholarship. French is uh, is getting one, apparently. This, the, I, I probably, I guess you weren't supposed to laugh out loud at this bit. But when he's the doing the, 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 when he's <laughs> doing the, 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 uh, the, the call, uh, the conference call with the the coach or whatever from from university, and the guy's like, "You did an essay on bees." It's just like, what? Just an essay on bees, and then it's like, and then obviously it's not even the essay that he wrote. Yeah, yeah. but it's just so fun. like I love the the fact that he like this 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 guy like musters the enthusiasm to to pretend that he's excited about an essay on bees. Yeah, yeah, I know. And the thing is, what French says then is like, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like really serious, like low income families, whatever. Something really serious, like a really meaty subject. I think and, it's CPR that he. Oh, that C- he, yeah, so C- it's, CPR. So it's like really like technical. And this guy, this guy's on the phone is probably like, damn it, CPR. I wanted the bees guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he like shouts to, to like someone in the other rooms, like, is it too late to get the bees guy? Yeah. <laughs> and then. And then they just have they've offered it to him now. He's got to yeah, take it. They have to take it. Like, um, all right. So uh, then he says to like the coach says to him, right, you've got it now. Don't do anything weird. And then French walks out of the cafeteria, yeah. sees Jesse, Steve, and Buck. It's like, right, yeah. uh, maybe Jesus. I can't hang around with these guys anymore. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like the the sword of Damocles that's hovering over French's <laughs> character as he has this way out of this situation, but. It, I I expect that merely by associating with with Steve, it's gonna it's gonna put his his future in jeopardy. So hopefully uh, French's storyline doesn't end tragically because he seems like of, of those characters, uh, he and he and Buck seem like the 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 nicest ones. Yeah. I will say. Oh yeah, they they definitely get along the best I think out of all. Yeah. Um. Sort of they seem to have two the two pairs like uh French and Buck and Jesse and Steve and I love that yeah. Buck, Buck comes over and is like hey uh you know can I help can I do something and like Jesse and Steve are like yeah we found the bus but we can't find anything else but we found the bus right and then like Buck just comes and goes I'll look up Russian mines and they're like brilliant idea I just love the idea <laughs> of Steve and Jesse sitting there for like two hours like getting yeah. like not doing anything getting it all wrong and then Buck's like well just look up the mine you know yeah they're not they're not uh setting the world of academia on fire I think but uh, Steve and Jesse. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they also mentioned uh, Asheville again. Uh, apparently, they seem BBA seems to have got him off the back. You know, um, well, I, I suppose uh, the OA go on a visit BBA and just 
completely putting her down seems to have made her realize. yeah yeah so i i guess that's that's i i didn't um i didn't actually uh catch whether they were confirming it or whether they were discussing it in the positive or the negative it, do, it does get mentioned but i guess it's just to maintain that that threat for steve in the background yeah. that if mm. that if he kind of screws up again he's off to military yeah, and school. I, I don't even think it it, it, it expressly said that it was off the cards I, th- I think it might even still be happening like they don't actually know you know what i mean yeah like, i think yeah. the whole point of it is steve doesn't know what's happening till it happens you know yeah. what i mean um, yeah, absolutely so uh okay so alfonso is definitely wavering he doesn't really he's sort of seeing his future as not part of this group he tells his mom about the scholarship um mm. and she just says well uh are you done with harvard then uh she's not impressed well she wasn't impressed in the beginning but then eventually she does come around and say that she's proud of him yeah, it's it's um, it's a really interesting dynamic. There, it's kind of like classical dynamic here. We've got the the sort of promising child who can escape a what seems like a fairly toxic environment, mm-hmm. um, but the family ties will drag him back into it. And his, I, I wasn't sure wh- whether this was his mother or the, the, the guy in the, at the conference school said uh, like his abuela, which is which is uh, a grandmother in 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 Spanish. So um, I don't know whether whether this is his mother or his grandmother or whether he's lied maybe about who his closest um, relation is. But or maybe um, that that's meant to be like a joke of this coach being like you know he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know what I mean? Oh, maybe yeah, that could be that could totally be it. Actually, like just assume that the because the because uh, because French is um, I'm assuming he's he's Hispanic. Uh, like or maybe abuela is actually just a word for uh, for matriarch. It could be, yeah. My Spanish isn't that good, to be honest. But um, mainly, this is based on Jane the Virgin, if I'm honest, because she has an abuela. But uh, yeah, so uh, it, it's it's a classic conundrum for this character, and I feel like it doesn't. I feel like the show isn't too harsh to his mother or or, or, or this female character. That I feel like it's not that interested in being judgmental of her at the moment, which mm. is good. Uh, I, I didn't. I, I would have found it a little bit off-putting if they kind of really push the knife in and we're like look how rubbish yeah. this this woman is you know she's she's obviously has some of her own problems it seems like she might be like gambling when while she's like yeah. in bed but um yeah i'll be interested to see how that relationship between them uh develops awesome uh okay so buck runs into french um outside the shop and yeah. I, I again there's a couple of moments of this show which are which are actually quite funny i liked how buck was like you're bringing milk that's weird. Uh, <laughs> French is just like, no, no, I'm not going. Uh, can't be caught at the drug house uh, because basically that's where Steve deals his drugs out of. So you, it makes yeah. sense. Don't be caught in the drug den. And then uh, enough, yeah. he just throws in, it's different for Steve. He's fucking his own life up. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fair enough, to be honest. Yeah. You know, like see, the stakes for Steve are very much under his own control. If only he could be a bit less of a prick. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then Buck sort of has this conversation as well, where Buck is putting uh, out the idea that maybe uh, OA chose us for a reason. Um, yeah. I think this sort of gets into French's head a bit. French then says, I don't need your help. I do everything on my own, which sparked a little bit for me, like the first episode of a teenager sort of diagnosing their own problems a little bit again. But at the same time, yeah. you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility of a teenager just being like, I do everything on my own. I think that's that's fair enough. Um, but it's, well, it, and, and there's there's mirrors in in that characterization, I think, between between French and um, and the OA. Um, mm. You know, the OA's kind of willfulness to go off and try and fix her own problems lands her in a lot of hot water as well in the story that she's telling. And I think yeah. that that behavior is very much mirrored in, in some of French's attitude here. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. That's a good good point. Um, so he changes his mind and they go. 
I, I really I really respected Buck in this next scene when Buck came straight in and said to uh, said, said to Steve, "Stop selling drugs out of this house." Uh, yeah, and he's like, "What?" He says, "Just uh, he goes, just just stop." Uh, so I thought that was that was pretty good. Um, yeah, well, then and then Steve like confirms his prick status by by telling Buck that um, that the um, supplies uh, cut. Yeah, went, went to play uh, testosterone to um, to them anymore. Yeah, and then uh, you know, it's a really shitty thing to do to someone you're supposed to be friends with. Very, yeah, yeah, really, really shitty. Do you want a sweet memento to remind you of all those good times you've had listening to the After Dark podcast? Well, how about pick up a T-shirt with the brand new design by my wife Ema. It depicts Conrad and I going into the cave. What will we get up to next? Link in the description. Okay, so biggest uh, mistake that uh, Prairie ever made, she's, what she explains is, I like the way that this is put, actually. So she starts telling the story again, and I like the way she put this. It was quite, quite nice. Uh, the biggest mistake she ever made was thinking that casting a beautiful net would only catch beautiful things. Yeah, there's a very lyrical quality to, to, to that line. And it immediately... The, the the where we go from that line i feel is colored immensely by that by it uh mm. so it, it you you kind of it's it's presented initially as quite a positive encounter but there's always that thought in the back of your mind where it's just like well we kind of know where this is going yeah like exactly like you it's interesting because if you, if you took it away and you just watch if you watch the scenes without her narrate them narrating them you, you maybe would have really not seen what was coming, you know? Mm-hmm. But again, as you say, when she's alluding to the fact that it was a bad thing that happened to her from the start, yeah. it's it just means that whenever old Jason Isaac appears, you immediately don't trust him. Yeah, I, I'd like to point out as well, I called Jason Isaac from the back of his head, like, because there's this lovely... It's a shame it's not a full tracking shot, to be honest. It cut, there are some cuts in it as it's following him, uh, following him, following her music yeah, yeah. through the uh, through Grand Central Station. But there's this really cool shot behind him which really builds the tension of his character reveal and then um and then it pulls out this very very wide shot which has both of them uh kind of standing opposite each other but they're quite quite significant distance between them um which which i really liked as a character reveal but yeah J- jason isaac it was great to see him i pretty much immediately called him as a bad guy to be, <laughs> to be yeah. honest hello to jason isaacs i'll say it once i'm not going to say it every episode uh that's that's for all you uh listeners of the of the commode podcast out there but uh basically uh he wears uh earplugs on the train which i thought was an interesting thing so he mm. literally wears earplugs just to drown out the noise is that a dumb thing I've, I've never done that seen anyone doing that i didn't i didn't even notice that actually to be honest but yeah I, i've not heard of people doing he took, that he like, took it out to hear the music you know oh yeah i guess i assume they were like headphones but yeah maybe they were just maybe they're just earplugs looks, yeah it looks like, it looks like a little blue gelatinous cube you know um all right so his name is hap uh mm. dr hunter aloysius percy yeah oh percy i had peyton i don't know why i wrote peyton down um yeah so he's a big fan of initialisms or i guess this is an acronym technically but in the space in the space of like a five minute conversation he's referred to himself as hap and he's also used the the initialism nde nde um which makes me think that maybe the OA is going to be something that comes from him as well. Um, he just keeps throwing them out everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's just I like I haven't. Look, I'm a busy man. I haven't got time to call you Olivia Appleby or whatever your name is. So you're just the <laughs> OA from now. On. <laughs> 
<laughs> that would be hilarious. Uh, yeah. yeah, so NDEs, he, he basically he picked up that she had, had had a near-death experience based yeah. on the transcendence nature of her violin playing. Yeah, that sounds like horseshit to me. I, I, I think that he was looking for her. Uh, maybe not actively in Grand Central Station, but I feel like them... I, I, it feels too convenient to me that he just this guy who is uh, so invested in uh, analyzing near-death experiences that he is completely compromised ethically just so happened to hear uh, Prairie playing playing the violin in Grand Central Station. That feels way too convenient to me. So I, I think he was actively seeking her or seeking people like her. Oh, he was seeking them, definitely. And I think even based on the fact that he did hear her, whether he knew she was there or not, or whether he was he was seeking her particularly, um, he, I think he seems like the person who would always have his ear to the ground for these moments where he'd realize that people had NDEs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Having said that, you know, hundred percent as well. It it would complete. It would make complete sense as well. We we know that there's a history of uh, her being in hiding as well. So there is certain there is certain uh, sort of evidence here that people would know about her and things yeah. that have happened to her. Um, so yeah, fair enough. Uh, so they go to have some oysters. Um, yeah, it's a very odd choice of food for a very, a very, a very well. In fact, there's, there's like this. Maybe I completely misread this, and maybe, maybe you didn't feel this. But there's a very sexual undertone to this first scene with him. Like they're eating oysters, which are an aphrodisiac, and then he produces this device, which I'm just going to say it looks like a woman's genitalia. Um, <laughs> like it's actually two. I, it's actually two ears. But yeah, it does. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's, I, I was just like, this is a very sexual scene, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but uh, maybe, yeah, maybe that was just my filthy mind, like uh, taking it to places that that it wasn't intended by the creator. No, no, I, I definitely think there was a, there was a little spark in between them there for a little bit yeah. of a time. Obviously, whilst as an audience watching on, thinking, no, 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 don't have this spark, don't go with this man. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, he didn't. Um, so basically, he he said something about the fact that he didn't like in university when he was in medical school. He didn't like that he wasn't allowed to ask questions that had no answers. They're the most important questions to him. He thinks, "What is mm. consciousness? Where do we go after this place?" And then he also, in a really interesting sort of setup to his mission, um, his mission in life, I thought it was a really interesting way to set it up. Is that whenever he was working in medical school, he heard whenever a patient flatlined, he heard a whoosh. Yeah, and then uh, he heard he heard the whoosh again, and then they came back, and he's like, "Well, that means it's like a whoosh. They left. Whoosh. They came back. If they left, they must have went somewhere." And in my mind, that's like if that actually happened in real life, you could hundred percent understand why someone would get obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think <clears throat> I think the, the the sort of kernel of what he is fascinated by is is one hundred percent justified. But I think he he does a really good job. Um, Jason Isaacs, that is, of slowly revealing over the course of this episode the extent of his uh, obsession um, and and the the degree to which he has compromised any kind of medical or scientific ethics in pursuit of it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it, uh, it, it like I, I mean I wonder how much of that they're going to show us. Like how how is he hearing this whoosh? Is he is he just hearing it without like you know w- without any kind of tools? Is he is he using a stethoscope to hear it? Like what or or is he using this device that he has um that he's given to or that he shows to Prairie in this Yeah, that like he said he's got a pattern for it. Well obviously obviously he's he's part of his skill is that he can create devices that can hear things, you know, yeah. really, really closely. So he may be of something something like that. Um also he did say that the heart the human heartbeat is more unique than a fingerprint. What did you think about that? 
Um, I don't know enough about the science of that to know whether that's true. I feel like it's probably not, but but it's kind of um, I suppose if you if you if you take that as uh, read, take that as as true, what he said there, it's almost like a, a mirror of the um, him being struck by her violin playing, her transcendent violin playing, in that if you know what to listen for in very, very well-performed music, mm-hmm. you can hear the difference between good music and amazing music or a good, a good performance and an amazing performance of the same piece of music. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's kind of what what's being hinted at here, that he has this ear for mm-hmm. a special person's heartbeat, I guess, or a special person's kind of being. Yeah, okay. Well, my maths brain took over, to be honest with you. And I was yeah. like, and I was like, right, okay, unique heartbeat. I was like, well... Not if you're looking at like in like a 10 second range, people can have the same heartbeat <laughs> in a 10 second range. But then if you look at it over their whole life and you sort of think about how everyone does different things, your heart speeds up and slows down. And then I thought, right, okay, let's really take this into maths. Let's look at the distance of time between each beat. I feel like the fact that you've gone on a maths route with this is is fundamentally ignoring the, the kind of artistry that is being but, but I think he's right, though, is what my point is. So I think that yeah. when, when you look at the distance of time between each heartbeat and you took it to the sort of the, the maximum level of accuracy you could there's there'll be no real this would be very unlikely there'd be two distances of time between your heartbeats that would be the same okay okay so yeah. if you were to then have a sequence of numbers where each one was the seconds between heartbeats and it was like one point you know zero 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 three four or whatever and you had all these different numbers that would probably give you a sequence of numbers which never repeated uh yep. and, and, and it didn't have a pattern um i.e. like the like the the number pi 3.141 okay so in my mind he's right and i th- and i think that if you took it as a sequence of numbers of in, in terms of time of heartbeat geez hap i'm, I'm on your side here boy <laughs> well there you go but i don't i mean i feel like the the he's not uh he's not a numbers man is my impression of him like he he deals it he's a big picture guy but Maybe he is. Maybe maybe that'll be the revelation: is that he he's like this cold, calculating figure who's purely into the numbers of the situation. Listen, this show is not dark. I have to get my maths in where I can. Okay, so yeah, fair enough. All right. Um, they get on a plane. He can fly. He can fly a plane. Yeah, that that is not what I when he said oh, I'm flying home. I was like, oh, you're going to be the pilot, are you? <laughs> like that wasn't my wasn't my understanding of the situation, and I feel like. Prairie should have started asking questions at the point where they were getting on a Cessna, and and I, I'd like you know I know she's blind, so obviously she she's probably only aware of what she's being told. Yeah. But you could probably tell what kind of plane you're getting on, um, by feel and um and and yeah the like the fact no one was checking her passport and oh, I guess they still do check your passport when you um, yeah. When you fly out of like private airfields, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's oh it, no, it's no, just, if it's if it's if it's internal in America, you don't need a passport. I think you just need your ID. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Well, there you go. So like internal uh, in the UK, you don't need a passport. You just need an ID. Depending on yeah, the air, depending on the true. airline, but most of them is just the ID, just like a, yeah, an, that's, that's, uh, that, is, that that is true. Uh, well, I mean, she still should have been asking questions at this point. Yeah, but she, yeah. she's twenty one. She's made a bad mistake, and then she's making further mistakes to compound the results of it. Yeah, I'm not blind. Okay, but I'll but I'll say this: even as a person with sight, I wouldn't open the window of the plane. No, I uh, there was a small part of my brain that when she opened the window of the plane, I was like, "Is he gonna like 
push her out and then grab her ankle to try and make her have a near-death experience because <laughs> so, i was already and like i don't i don't want to give too many glimpses into the theory matrix already at this early stage but i had a couple of theories in this in this episode that kind of came true within this episode where as soon as i saw him i was like well he's a bad guy and he's gonna he's gonna take her prisoner for like his experiments and so as these as this this uh this these sequence of scenes between these two characters was going on, I was like, when are we gonna get to the bit where you try and kill her? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's coming. I know it's coming. Okay, awesome. Yeah, well, you know, I, we, the writing's on the hap. But uh basically yeah, yeah. there's there's a really lovely dreamlike piano score going on as well in this part. The whole time she's with Hap where before she realizes what's happening, it's really dreamlike. It's really sort of um you could float away on a cloud sort of sort, sort of score going on. Yeah. Um doesn't last forever doesn't last no it, it, it does not last that long at all um and then and the fact that he's flying the plane as well as, as i was saying before like it kind of there is that quality to it that you were talking about this kind of dreamlike quality but there is also a, an increasing sense of isolation for this character mm. you know wherever she is she was in new york no one knew she was in new york and then she's been flown by a guy she doesn't really know by himself to a house she doesn't know where it is so you know she's getting in more and more danger and there's there's this growing sense of dread um that that really kind of reaches a reaches a peak as, as she enters haps presumably home yeah yeah home sweet home uh yeah. so she goes in she notices it's very quiet there's no roads nearby um yep he also that sounds great he also points out it's like if you go watch the episode again knowing what happens at the end there's so much he points out which is he's just telling her i'm gonna put you in my basement yeah. You know, oh, they've got a bed downstairs in the lab, uh, you know, double glazing, double glazing. The winters are terrible here, right? Uh, so yeah. all, all, all this <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Um, uses the phone to call the parents. Uh, he puts on, um, I, I can never remember the, ne- like, uh, the pronunciation. Yeah, it's, it's either Jim Croce or Jim Croce. I can never remember how it's pronounced, yeah. but operator by by. What by a him. troll. Yeah, which is like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> like, just, Troll level over 9,000 there. You think he, he had that ready? It was like, Alexa, uh, play my kidnapping playlist. And <laughs> yeah. Alexa, if you could choose the most ironic know, song my, for this moment. My Alexa's about to start playing in the corner, so this is where I reveal. But I have, my Alexa just responded to that, so we'll see if it does play my kidnapping playlist. I don't have one of those. Oh, uh, I really, really wish that I, I was coming out of your loudspeakers right now. Alexa, play Operator by Grim Jim Croce. <laughs> <laughs> that would really uh, that would out me as a as a fellow. I, I don't even know what 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 group Hap belongs to or anything, but I'll, I, I'm right along there with you, Hap. I've got my own my own uh, kidnapping playlist ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> could you imagine if you when you said that if it said playing your kidnap playlist? Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So, um, show takes her downstairs like. Us as an audience now are seeing what's happening because the huge metal doors with the keypads mm. that he's taken her through uh, takes her all the way downstairs. It stays very tight on them, which I like, until yeah. eventually she knows that it sort of it stays tight on actually for the rest of the episode. There's never a moment mm. we get the whole the whole room, and uh, so eventually she eventually gets put into there, uh, into the room. She then tries to walk away, smacks her head. She starts questioning things. She's like, oh yeah, at that no, point, yeah. oh no, this smells like and rocks. the floor is yeah, the floor's like wet as well, which. Yeah. Um, I have some thoughts about oh okay really okay awesome uh and then he, the way he says it is like you're going to be an incredible asset prairie 
Yeah, this guy is a bastard. I called it. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, the fact she seems to be in like some kind of glass tube or room makes me think that maybe, and the floor is wet, makes me think that maybe he is going to drown her. Um, and and you like there's a, there's a kind of drainage um, drainage pipe in the floor, so you can fill it with water, half drown her, make her have a near death experience, and then resuscitate her in order to study um you know study what's happening and where she's actually going which um interesting yeah maybe that'll be wrong but um I, and i like the fact that we although we have seen his face already uh we we focus on homer's voice instead of his um instead of his face at the end of this episode because yeah it's what prairie would experience as well yeah so i was actually going to um yeah, exactly. Yes, I love that. It's through, it's through, we're experiencing it through her ears, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I so there's actually two male voices at the end of the episode. Um, now I watch most things with subtitles, uh, because I have children running around and crying babies and stuff. So, um, or sleeping babies, and you have the, the volume very low. Uh, but so I noticed, I I knew this 100 percent anyway because the different characters' names were on there saying who was talking. But uh, mm-hmm. did you pick up that there were two different voices, not just one? Uh- I didn't actually. Um, okay. It sounded like the same voice to me. Not yeah. So, so the, the only the, like so I think you'll realize when I say the first voice was very much speaking, uh, and it sounded different too. But the first voice was very much speaking and saying, um, you know, you're going to question this. Just remember, it's all your fault. Uh, you got yourself, and they're very sort of accusatory. And then the mm. other voice, uh, which is probably like that first voice. I take that first voice as someone saying. Um, you know, you did this to yourself, uh, you know, and that's sort of what she's feeling. And then, oh, yes, I was gonna do you interpret that as internal monologue? I'm not gonna say what I interpreted as, but that's that's that was the shift in the shift in tone happened whenever I realized it was Homer, and then and then it was then he was saying, like, um, he was saying, like, uh, stuff like uh you know oh you'll 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 find your freedom you'll you'll learn to live with it you'll you'll basically he was building her back up again yeah okay you'll find your freedom in sleep which sounds yeah. for someone who has uh dreams that are sometimes premonitions that sounds like it might be foreshadowing something yeah exactly uh okay so then uh finally she he said what's your name she said prairie prairie and then uh it goes all i'm goes out to her in the house homer and then she runs away. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a joke here, and I will make it many times because I've okay. I've actually watched all the way up to like episode seven of season two in the last week, uh, just sort of get refreshing my mind for the podcast, you know, um, just so I know what's coming. Uh, and there's been a at about five times so far that there's been a big dramatic moment like this. Uh, and as soon as it's happened, I've just turned to Emma and went, "We have our heading." <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like I just love that. Like it's just, you know, like a real dramatic moment. Like just like Jack Sparrow, we have our heading. It's not really yeah. work here, but I will be using that multiple times in this. It's show. fine. We'll return to it. We'll workshop it, and we'll return to it over and over again, and make make sure that joke lands every single time. We have our heading. And, and you, just, the listener, she just, she just runs out. Yeah, she just like yeah, she she's kind of done for the evening, I guess. Done for the evening. All right, that's us at the end of the episode. Uh, Conrad, do you want to break it down in the in the in the actually the perfectly named the breakdown? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, IMDb rating, 8.3 for New Colossus. So okay. one one point higher than last week's according to IMDb. You said you would sort of fall around the mid-sevens, possibly for the first episode. What are you thinking this time? I think I think this was better end-to-end as an episode. I think, I think it lacked the uh, kind of... 
thrilling finale. Mm. It, 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 did, it did have a good finale or a good final act. It didn't have quite the high point that last week's did, where it's like, okay, wow, we're doing all of We're like, off to the races, yeah. Yeah, the, the, this episode has completely changed what it is for the final 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, but I think end-to-end it was a better episode. I'd probably still say it's in the high sevens for mm. me rather than in the eights. I think it's still trying to find its feet. I'm still waiting for there to be a really, like, kind of confirmed plot that that sinks its teeth into me mm-hmm. um but i am liking the characterization I'm, I'm liking the performances of, of of prairie and french um we we had blessedly little steve in this episode which is a <laughs> which is a bonus as far as i'm concerned and it's great to see jason isaacs returning um to the to to the screen i say returning to the screen like he was ever off like it's great to see jason isaacs in in what looks like it's going to be a pretty significant role in this yeah awesome okay uh right all right so it was a any uh, theories coming out um so there was one that i forgot to mention <clears throat> that um that didn't really come up for whatever reason and that is so this is this is new listeners to the show will know that i love a i love a firing fire from the hip theory sometimes just old, something old, I don't... old listeners to the show well uh, yeah sorry old listeners will know that new listeners won't know that yeah, yeah. um but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna fire one off here okay um <clears throat> not really based on anything but my uh, my suspicion is that at some point, Prairie will get her eyesight back through an NDE. I think that's got to happen. There's going to be some NDE she's going to she's going to suffer where she meets presumably the Arabic speaking lady, lady again, and she's like, "Right, you're leaving soon. You're you're leaving captivity soon. So here's your eyesight back." Okay, awesome. Uh, good prediction. And just run us through the other. Like you've mentioned a couple as we were going, but just tell us what they are so we can all get our ducks in a row. Oh Jesus! Okay, I have to I have to out myself as as um as not knowing what I'm talking about. Okay, so um there were two for Jason Isaac in this one. So uh, and and I don't like doing this typically. I don't like making theories that I think are going to come true in the episode where I'm. That's them, fine. But... You've done a couple. I, I, it's completely understandable. But um, so uh, the first one was that like I think. Uh, Jason Isaac's character ha- has has very questionable ethics and will abuse uh, the OA in the pursuit of answers for his questions. Um, and this is kind of the same one, but I put it down anyway. We might end up amalgamating these. Hap is 100% a bad guy. I put that fairly <laughs> early on. Um, and um, yeah, so the OA is still displaying some of the recklessness which got her into this situation in the first place, I in as she's telling the story um so i think hap is potentially still looking for her in the in the present day we'll find her again and it'll up to be up to her crew of misfits to save her and i think that's going to be that that's kind of the fact that she's kind of bringing all these misfits together mm. makes me think they they're going to have to be important and they're not important at the moment because mm. it's it's just prairie telling her story so something's got to happen in the present and i think that's going to be maybe the driving focus of this season is something happens to prairie or the the oa and the the the, the gang need to go and help Awesome. Okay, great theories. Right, guys, remember, put your theories in the comments if you're a Conrad, uh, and we'll read them. There are a load of great theories this week. I will be, in the future, um, including some of your theories into the podcast as well. We're so early on now that they're all they're all shooting from the hip. Um, nice. But uh, also, there's some people who are hitting on main themes in the episode already, uh, but aren't honing it down maybe on one particular very, very strong very very focused theory that i could say on the podcast um but if there's anything you would like maybe to mention on the podcast if you just put on the comment saying hey maybe you could talk about this one and uh and and give me a focus theory that we could discuss i'll definitely do that right okay let's get into the questions for conrad then yeah let's do it 
A stranger from the outside. As you know, guys, if you comment underneath the linked, uh, the pinned comment at the top of this video on YouTube, you can actually ask a question to Conrad or myself. Either way, we're so early in the show at this point, it's probably mostly to Conrad, which is fair enough. And we have a few for you, Conrad. Uh, so first question comes from Archmaester Rennie, a uh, long-time listener of the podcast. And yeah. Arch Archmaester says, who wounded the always back, resulting in her scars? Um... Yeah, that's a good question. I, mm, I don't think it could be done. Like it can't be self-inflicted. It doesn't look like, but it does look like it was all kind of done at once, which makes me think. I reckon maybe. Okay, I'm just going to throw. This is difficult for me to theorize about because it could literally be anything at this point. I'm just going to throw a wild theory out there. Okay. and see where it lands i think at some when she escapes there's going to be it's going to be an all-action escape and the glass that she's trapped in is going to break and she's going to end up maybe like rolling around on it naked um and that you know will will cause her to lacerate her back and give her the scars okay so broken glass maybe we'll focus that in maybe and say broken glass causes the scars yeah, yeah, I guess so. Okay, because we know we know where where you've been on your theory matrix before when you have these big long sentence like theories. Yeah, but, but that cuts both ways though, because if I have like really long theories and they end up being completely wrong, I have to buy myself an orange with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah. If we just say it's from broken glass, it's going to be red or green. Yeah, like there's no way there's no way for me to get out of that. All right, well, I'll, okay, well, I'll, I'll let you decide how long winded you want to be on that then. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to take away your out. Um, okay, so next question is from Shelley, yeah. and this actually question is. Good good because it, it's going to refocus a conversation we were having about half an hour ago and it'll make us look like fools for not realizing this um what did conrad make of the comment from the scholarship people to french your abuela will, would be very proud just the, the asking of this question from shelley has made me realize the error of our ways half an hour ago because now uh, do you want me to tell you what i think of it now yeah go on so but, lied. no no I think that the, the the matriarch of the family, the mother figure for him was his grandmother. She's now passed away. The coach knows that the mother isn't very involved. So therefore, he's saying, your, abuela, your grandmother would be very proud. Yeah, I mean, that that was one... To, uh, I, maybe I didn't, didn't like vocalize that earlier but that was kind of one of my reads of that was that well he, he, this this woman that he goes back who's, oh who's i thought you i thought you was you okay yeah got you so well i was kind of in two in two minds i was like i don't think this is his abuela because she looks too young to be to be his grandmother so where is she um and yeah i, I was expecting her to either turn up but be very old and infirm i guess mm. or, or or to potentially be dead but i think that's that that totally makes sense as well and it actually makes French's characterization much sadder because if he has, re if he's only recently kind of inherited these responsibilities, yeah. then you know how the hell is he going to get out of this in one piece? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, MH, just finished watching the episode. I would have definitely gone into Hap's trap uh, and ignored the most obvious red flag, that being the name Hap rhyming with, rhyming with trap. Uh, my. <laughs> My most burning question would be if if Hap is an actually renowned, renowned scientist or if he once was but had fallen under the radar because he couldn't uh, prove any of his theories about non uh, NDEs. 
Oh, he's he's one hundred percent like a Herbert West reanimator situation where he's like he he you know he was a brilliant young scientist at one point, but yeah. his ideas were too out there, and he was kicked out of medical school or kicked out you know had his research has it had his money for his research taken away, and now he's he's become a villain. It's that's that's a tale as old as time for mad scientists, and Hap is clearly one of those. Yeah, well there you go. Actually, uh, and and M H says okay, that's more of a theory than a question, but yeah, I so I think that's that's. Probably not something we're probably maybe not going to get uh, some any answers on, but at the same time, I think it's probably that's a believable characterization of that character. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, all right. So there's one more question which I need to find because okay. this person didn't put it underneath my tagged comment. Um, so uh, it is you know it's a bit it's a, it's it's a bit annoying, but sometimes I, <laughs> I sometimes I do remember. Um, do, 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 do. Okay. In, it's interesting you mentioned shoes in the house at the end there. I've always yeah. been curious if anyone else does this, so I'll make the question for the next episode. Um, I've always uh, taken my shoes off in the house, but my grandfather, he would always wear his shoes from the moment he woke up to the moment he went to bed. But when he went out, he would put rubber covering on his shoes. Anyone else do? Uh, anyone else who do this? Who did this? Or Anthony Conrad? Do you know anything like this? So basically, what they're saying is a uh, blue, a uh, blau punk C99. This is. Basically, they're saying their grandfather would have worn shoes around the house, and then whenever going out of the house, they would put an extra rubbery pair of shoes. Like, yeah, like, like, sho- like sh- shoes for your shoes, yeah. essentially. Is. Yeah, to double shoes, double shoes. Uh, so I, I think uh, what your granddad wanted to invest, and I don't want to say this disrespectfully, but what your granddad wanted to invest in there is a pair of slippers. Yeah, because <laughs> that's a, like that's literally what slippers are for: is to cover your feet so you don't have to get your feet all up in everyone's business while you're walking around the house. But then you can wear you you, you can wear you don't have to wear shoes in in the house. Yeah. Okay. So definitely slippers. I think we've we've solved that one <laughs> yeah, for you. Yeah. Like I feel like someone should have should have sat him down and been like, "You'll never believe this." I've only I've only heard about it myself, but they've invented something for exactly for this. You're gonna yeah. love it. <laughs> I can imagine the grandfather <laughs> just running in one day and goes, I've, "I've realized what I could do. Think of like a sock, but like a, th- a really thick sock. Yeah, with like a, firm, so- a firm sock, a sole of a shoe on the bottom. We're, we're thinking slippers here. Um, we'll make millions. <laughs> make millions. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, pair of slippers uh, didn't do anyone any harm. Right. Well, there we go. That is episode two of the OA, uh, New Colossus. I'm very happy to be uh, into this show now. We're sort of getting into the meat of it. Um, the first episode, I think we'll all agree, is a bit slow moving. Uh, yeah. They are sort of settled, and at the same time, it's very slow moving. But they're also going through things too quickly at some stages. And I think they're finding their feet now. Prairie is in her story in the in in the basement uh so it's only yeah. going to get more intriguing from here uh conrad what are you hoping to see next week um i think i i want to see a bit more of the present because this was pretty much all flashback um so i'm hoping we we get a bit more forward momentum in the in the present day narrative but i i do hope it balances it with prairie story because that is where the really interesting stuff is at the moment. So a, a nice balance of what we've seen thus far would be lovely. That would be lovely. All right, guys, could you please subscribe on the Culture Cave on YouTube if you haven't already? Could you please uh, subscribe on audio apps if that's how you prefer to listen to your podcasts? Like the video would be really, really great. If you want to send us an email, you can send it to adpodmail at gmail.com. Also, you could comment on the video, ask us a question for next week, all that sort of fun stuff. But apart from that, goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. The After Dark Podcast has been a Culture Cave production. 
please subscribe on audio apps as well as on YouTube at The Culture King. Join us next week as Conrad journeys further into the unknown.